UMass Hockey has just beat the number one team in the country, the Denver Pioneers, and we are here for an impromptu game recap. Couldn't hold our thoughts in any longer, so we wanted to get them out right now. Let's go. everybody and welcome to episode 37 of High Character. UMass just upset the number one team in the country, Denver Pioneers. Uh, we normally save this for a series recap after the series is over, but we were just too pumped to talk about it. We wanted to get all our thoughts out right after the game. So this is an impromptu game recap uh, of everything that we just saw. My name is Cameron and I'm joined by my good pal Evan. Evan, how you feeling, man? Feeling pumped. I have never been happier to have been proven wrong in my entire life. Like basically everything that I talked about in the series preview, the complete opposite happened. And it led to a pretty dominating win, at least for the first two periods. Like we looked very, very solid, even though we had a pretty suspect start to the game, all things considered. But yeah, they did the complete inverse. They might have been listening to the pod and they said, we're just going to screw this guy over in particular and just make him sound like a complete idiot. And again, couldn't be happier because it worked out for the better. Yeah, absolutely, and we uh, really don't want to downplay this game. That's why we're recording now. Um, Denver coming in, the defending national champions. Uh, UMass won the year before, so the two last national champions in college hockey. And they also come in the number one team in the entire country, which uh, if you could say you knock off the number one team in the country, you could really skate with anybody. So uh, I think it says a lot about UMass, defies a lot of expectations that people had after the, the exhibition in the first game of the year, the tie against AIC. So really just um, obviously some things to work on, but a lot of positives after this one for sure. Yeah, they 100% proved the doubters wrong, me included. Like I really didn't have massive expectations going into this weekend. And now that we're halfway through the weekend and we've already managed to secure a regulation win, absolutely massive. Like you might not be able to tell it in my voice, but I'm absolutely ecstatic right now. Just we're recording this pod at 1130 at night. <laughs> so the energy has dwindled down a bit, but if anybody saw me in the concourse or saw me leaving the stadium, like I was as pumped as pot, like anybody could be basically. So <laughs> it was, it was definitely an awesome experience to see that first one of the season, especially against a opponent as highly ranked as Denver. Yeah, Evan and I do uh, our little victory playlist in the car ride after after we win. So that was the first one of the year, and it felt it felt good. Let's uh let's jump into the into the game. Um, right before it started, we got some good news. Aaron Bollinger, the defenseman, he um, did not play in the first game. We didn't know how long he'd be out, and when the lines came out, he was in there. So he played, and so did Noah Ellis. We didn't exactly know how long he would be out as well. So we get back two guys that uh can be pretty high-impact guys, and uh, it was kind of less time than we probably expected it. Yeah, no, it was definitely a big surprise when I saw the team sheet, like, go out. I I feel like I was kind of expecting Noah Ellis to come back. Like, you know, I was hearing rumors that his, like, injury wasn't really all that mm. bad. It was just kind of a precautionary thing. But, like, when I was reading the, um, what was it called, the news article about Aaron Bollinger and how he apparently had surgery and there was like an indefinite timetable for his return. It's like, well, all right, if Carvel doesn't even know like what's going on here, like right. it's definitely going to be a case of, you know, not knowing when he's going to come back, but we see him come back in literally the second, you know, game of the season, basically. So it was definitely a big boost. I think having his experience, you know, definitely helped the team as a whole. 
just kind of settle in a little bit better. I just feel like having having a, a junior defenseman instead of a, a freshman, you know, defenseman that really wasn't expected to play a lot of minutes, you know, in his freshman year. You know, I'm thinking of both Owen Murray and Kennedy O'Connor. Like, you know, it's, they're kind of interchangeable in the sense that Aaron Bollinger could have replaced one or the other. So I still think that was a huge lift, and I think he played, you know, fairly solid. And again, it was his first game back, but I think we did see a lot of things go right for him. You know, like like at least looking at the score sheet, I think he was a minus two on the night, but realistically, I don't think he played that poorly. No, he passed the eye test. I Definitely, would say. 100%. Um, another note, uh, Luke Pavisic started game one against AIC. He started this game as well, so it seems like, um, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later, but it seems like uh, Coach Carvel and UMass has definitely found their guy for the goalie, which, which is nice to see. You like to have that stability, um, at least for a little bit. So um, as we jump into the game, uh, very suspicious start to this one. Um, immediately, 30, 38 seconds into the uh, start of the game, we get a five-minute major penalty to Cal Kifuk. Um, something you really don't want to see. We also saw it uh, a little bit last year, how uh, maybe sometimes the um, some anger comes out. Yeah. Uh, we saw him get a major penalty last year as well. Uh, very, it's as bad as it gets 38 seconds into a game against the number one team. That is uh, a pretty disastrous start by, by most measures. Yeah, admittedly, I didn't get the best view of the hit. You know, like, we it was on our side of the ice, and it was kind of blocked by the Denver bench. But from what I could tell from asking people around us, it's not a pretty hit whatsoever. Um, definitely a dangerous one. That's not how you're supposed to start off a game against, like you said, the number one ranked team in the nation. Like, you got to bring your A game, and you got to be as disciplined as humanly possible. And overall, I would say throughout the game, we weren't the most disciplined team. I think there was definitely a couple of soft calls that they gave us, you know, later on in the game. Fair enough. But when you start off with a five-minute major in a game that's conduct, you're basically setting yourself up for failure. But as we're going to... You would think that, right? Yeah, one would think. But <laughs> as, as we will continue to discuss in this first period recap, things did not go in the in the disastrous manner that one would have expected. So Yeah, so uh, so beating the number one team in the country is defying the odds. And uh, <laughs> what we saw right after this major was defying the odds in a big way. Um, UMass did a really good job killing this penalty for the first couple minutes at about... Three minutes into that five-minute major, we see an odd man rush, and we see Kenny Connor score his first goal for UMass. Yeah, it was it was a greasy one, admittedly. Like you know, obviously, when when you're in a two-on-one, you're you're setting yourself up for for a pretty goal. You know what I mean? Like that's usually how these things work. But I I and again, I've kind of noticed throughout this game our our kind of like saucer passes, as, as one would say. You know, we're we're getting really good at passing pucks in a more controlled manner with a lot more precision and I think on this play Lebster it looked like he tried to pass it over but I think it might have got deflected by the defenseman that was covering the two-on-one and the puck just kind of gets chest bumped in like by by <laughs> by Kenny Connors if I don't know if it was intentional at all I didn't see any sort of like deliberate movement to try and move it in but they all count you know what I mean like yeah. there wasn't any sort of review he he definitely got a uh, an odd touch to the puck. You know, it was not the cleanest of goals, but you take them whenever you can get them when you're playing against Denver. So, I, you know, we were all going absolutely ballistic mm -hmm. in the stands because that was not the way. If somebody were to come up to me before the game and just saying, hey, Evan, 
You're going to score the first goal in this game by a little chest deflection on a shorthanded opportunity on a five-minute major penalty. I would have literally looked at the guys if he had three heads. Like, there's no way anybody could have predicted this coming, but it's definitely acceptable nonetheless, you know? Yeah. And uh, we doubled down on it just, just about a minute later, another... Um, another chance, and we see Scott Morrow bury another one. This one was from Ryan Lautenbach and Lucas Mercury, and it, it seemed like the ice was tilted down in UMass's favor for the entire five-minute penalty kill. It was wild to see. Yeah, it was another case of just playing really well in our own zone. Like we were, we were just putting our bodies on the line. You know what I mean? Like a lot of shot blocking, a lot of just really playing for one another and trying to protect Pavisic as much as humanly possible. And we got rewarded for it. You know, like. You get a lucky bounce, it breaks out into the neutral zone, and we just come barreling up the ice with crazy speed. And I think Lautenbach did a really solid job of holding onto the puck and not making like too quick of a decision. Um, he had a lot of patience going into the zone. He, I think, tried to shoot it, and it ended up being like a like a rebound. And the puck was just sitting in the crease, and I think Moro just came in and just swept it right up, went right in. So again. Wasn't the the prettiest of goals. It wasn't like a clean snipe top shelf, but it doesn't matter. That's the type of goals that we're going to score as a team because we're going to play very fast and we're going to play with a lot of effort. And sometimes you got to just crash the net and see what happens. Yeah, and Coach Carvel's tenure, I feel like UMass has really been known for those kind of greasy goals uh, and just creating chances kind of out of nothing. Um, we see it in the the guys that he recruits. It's not the flashiest guys or the guys with the most skill. It's just the guys who care the most, and that's like the kind of goals that you see from from that group of players. Um, you mentioned Lautenbach did a really good job creating chances. I don't think we'll talk about him later, so um, we could just touch a little bit upon his play. He was, we th both thought he was phenomenal mm -hmm. today. Um, throwing the body, hustling as always to the puck. Uh, we're just constantly impressed from everything that we see from him. Yeah, 100%. He's like a defenseman's nightmare. Like when you see him coming up the ice trying to forecheck you, it's you can just see the fear of God being put into these guys' <laughs> eyes. Like, they just don't know what to do because Loudenbach's going to be coming at you with a full head of steam 24-7, like 365 days a year. It's unbelievable. And he was throwing the body like you wouldn't believe. Like, there was one shift, I think it was in the second period. I think he decked about three or four Denver players in a single shift, and it was in a solid 15-second time span. <laughs> like, he just would not stop. He was just throwing his shoulder to everybody that would accept it. And it was just awesome to see. You know what I mean? Like... We, we talked about him a lot last season as being a really big energy guy, and for him to just kind of keep that up and continue to kind of be that dominant presence, I think is awesome. Yeah, I do as well. Um, we love what we see from him day in, day out. We, have, we don't have, to have any complaints ever on um, his end. Uh, I said the ice was tilted for UMass, or it seemed so during this penalty kill. After the penalty was killed off, um, Denver did retain some possession. Um, they actually controlled most of the puck time in this period and the whole game. Uh, but UMass really just took advantage of its opportunities. 12 minutes, 33 seconds into the first period. Um, another odd man rush chance, and Tyson Dick ends up putting one home, his first goal for the UMass. Yeah, Tyson Dick, like, you know, I, I, make, I make enough jokes on the pod about his name, but being able to actually, like, hear the announcer say it was, was pretty amazing. Like, you just hear Tyson Dick, and, like, the crowd just absolutely went into a roar. Partially, I think, because everybody wanted to scream the name Dick, and partially because we were up 3 nothing against the defending national champions. Like, it just couldn't have come at a better time, and it was just another great goal. Like, that was when, like, that was our first even-strength goal, and we're kind of thinking, like, okay, like, that's that's kind of like a, I don't want to say a legit goal, you know what I mean? Because the other goals are completely legit and earned in their own rights, but I think 
part of me thinks that we kind of got those two previous opportunities because Denver was kind of overcommitting on the power play and they weren't playing very disciplined defense. This time, we, it was just nice clean goal. You know what I mean? Like we we were really like you really can't make an excuse on Denver's behalf for that goal. That right. was just a nice goal. Yeah, and we uh, just wanted to mention Cole O'Hara and Kenny Connors. Uh, Connors getting on the score sheet again. Those are the two assists for that goal. Immediately after this goal was scored, um, we didn't catch who it was, but we saw a Denver player running into the <laughs> tunnel, and we heard yells and just loud banging from the tunnel. Uh, after the third goal, which we thought was uh, thought was pretty funny, thought we'd share that here. Yeah, I, I made a note of that on Twitter. I think I posted something about it, and somebody responded to it. I, I don't have my phone in front of me right now to check it out, but um, somebody responded and said they thought it was number twenty on Denver. I don't have his name off the top of my head, but um, apparently he broke his stick right after the goal. He was super frustrated, but the only part that I ended up catching after I was selling for a solid 10, 15 seconds. <laughs> was him running down the tunnel. I'm thinking, is he injured? And I'm like, somebody that's injured, there's no way that you're sitting there running down the tunnel yeah. like that. Like, And you, I couldn't actually hear it myself, but you were mentioning that you could hear crazy banging going through the tunnel. I thought it was just people banging, you know, anything that was moving at that point because they were so excited about the third goal. But yeah, no, that seemed like a complete and utter crap show for Denver at that point. Like, it seemed like they were getting a little bit unraveled. Mm. Yeah, and they definitely were. Um, UMass... Didn't have much control of the period after that. Denver really kind of dominated the the possession time. Uh, it's kind of shown UMass only had a handful of shots that period, just uh, one or two more than they had goals, I believe. Yeah. So uh, that kind of kind of paints the picture there. Uh, we move on to the second, and about three minutes into the period, we see Reed Lester get on the scoring sheet again. He scores one on the power play, assisted by Scott Morrow and Ryan Upko. Yeah, and that this was kind of the first time where we saw the the power play in effect for UMass, you know, at least in this game. And that was really good to kind of see the other side of the coin because we kind of saw a lot of Denver possession. And then once we actually got set up in the offensive zone, we were making stuff happen. You know, like we were, we were getting some, some solid looks and I think the team was playing well overall. We were just connecting on passes a lot better and uh, ended up culminating in a nice goal. I think the puck was kind of just on the doorstep and, Reed Lebster tapped at home. I think it was pretty similar to how he scored this goal against uh, AIC as well. So it's good to see him kind of getting into those areas and making high percentage plays like that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for nothing, UMass at this point, Mullins is going nuts. Uh, I feel like a lot of people didn't really expect this kind of outcome, but it was amazing to see. Um, just hoping they'd keep tacking it on. Uh, Denver, again, in this period, controlled most of the possession. Uh they didn't really have too many high-quality chances. UMass did a great job blocking shots, mm -hmm. getting in the passing lanes, um, that kind of thing. So um, not too many high-quality chances to come out of that. And then we moved to the third. Um, this is where things started to shift a little bit. Uh, you can see it in the numbers on the stat sheet. I, I believe um, Denver had 22 shots in this period, and UMass had one. So that kind of paints a picture of how it went. Um, this is the section of the game where we're probably going to discuss areas where UMass is going to need to improve to be able to uh, to hang in f future games with opponents like this. But uh, yeah, they dominated possession, dominated the, the shots, got some really high-quality chances, um, and then they ended up bearing a few goals, one of them from Carter, Missouri. Uh, that was with seven minutes left in the third, and then one of them by Shea 
Bui. I think it's just boom. Boom. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's spelled B-U-I-U-M. So uh, yeah. you see I got tripped up on that. Uh, that was with about four minutes left in the third. One of them was on the power play, and both of them were with the goalie pulled. So a lot of extra pressure there. But uh, in the end, UMass did hang tough to, to prevent this game from being tied up. But. Yeah, I mean, there really isn't a whole lot to kind of focus in on in this period. It was just a lot of the puck being in our zone, which is never ideal. Um, they were really just wearing us down at this point. Like, again, the complete and utter inverse of what I said in the preview. Like, we have to wear them down so we can be a third-period team. Complete and utter opposite happened. We completely just blitzed them in the first two periods, and then we were kind of lacking in that third period. Like, there was definitely a massive disparity in shots against, and just... I was nervous the whole period, I'm going to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we, we were hanging tough for the first half of the period, and then the moment that they pulled the goalie and they got that extra guy out there, it was game over. Like, it was just, they had the puck 24-7. And that first goal that they scored was on the power play. So, I mean, it was six on four. Mm -hmm. Really not a whole lot Pavisic can do. And just to give full credit to Pavisic, dude faced, I think, what was it, 47 shots total. He let in two goals. Bro. <laughs> like... Some of them were some fairly good looks, too. And, like, I don't know the exact numbers on, like, the shots blocked for the game, but we blocked a metric ass ton of shots as well on top of it. So they were probably realistically had about 70-plus shot attempts, mm -hmm. which is just unbelievable. Like, they were peppering us with just shot attempts. They were shooting from basically anywhere. Mm -hmm. And Pavisic looked good on rebound opportunities. He looked good on rebound control for the most part. He was getting some clutch paddle saves to, you know, send the puck over the board so we can get a line change. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of stuff that I think Pavisic was doing well in. I want to give him as much praise as humanly possible because I think he deserves it. Um, I think without him being that kind of steady guy in the net, I think we would have been a lot worse off because, again, our defense was pretty solid, but I think you have to have a confident goalie to make those routine stops actually be routine and mm -hmm. not have them be dangerous. So... I think that was huge. Um, and yeah, just overall, I mean, it's kind of hard to critique the team when they're when the other team is consistently up a man for the whole period and you're not really just able to straight up ice the puck. Like, that. that's when Denver's going to shine. And they really did look like the number one ranked team in that period. You know, like, it just makes sense in that, in that context. But we did enough through those first two periods to secure the W. And I'm extremely happy about that. I'm glad that they kind of shut up some of the doubters because... Admittedly, I was one for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I, I like to try and not be a complete and utter homer as much as humanly possible <laughs> on the pod. If I were to just give you the homer takes the whole time, I would sound like everybody else on UMass Twitter just validating the team 24-7. I'd like to keep it somewhat realistic. And I wasn't expecting us to, to get, you know, at least to do what we did tonight. Was, would we have gotten a split in my mind? I think it was entirely possible. But doing it at least in the first game, knowing that we've secured it, you know, in, in just in the first game alone, like, that's nuts. Knowing that we could potentially sweep now, that's unreal to me. You know what I mean? So I'm extremely excited to watch the game tomorrow night, and I couldn't be happier for the W tonight. Yeah, and doing it in the fashion they did, right? Uh, coming out early and getting that major penalty. Yeah. Um, two goals on the penalty kill, and then another one shortly after that. Denver was... Uh, obviously by the story we told about the player running into the tunnel and just the looks of the faces of the guys on the ice, they were completely rattled. Extremely so, rattled. Um, that was, that was kind of one of my keys to the game in the preview episode was I wanted to see UMass not play on their heels and kind of just go right after mm -hmm. them. And that's what the, that's what we saw right in the beginning. They really got into the passing lanes and looked for that great breakout passes too. Yep. I, I remember we talked about that at the game. Um, they just, they just had a really 
really high quality approach in that first period and a little bit of the second that you really love to see. And that's what it's going to take to beat these, these high ranked programs. You mentioned Pavisich uh, a little bit. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to uh, breach the conversation. Um, I think I think most would agree that he's kind of won over the um, faith of the coaching staff and yeah. won over that top spot. We haven't seen Cole Brady play yet, mm-hmm. um, so it's not entirely fair to say that. Um, after a 45-save performance, do you imagine Pavisich playing tomorrow, or do you think it's going to be Cole Brady after that that level of effort? I think... He definitely, I think Cole Brady deserves a shot. And that's only under the pretext that I think Pavisic is probably very tired after tonight. Mm-hmm. And as he should be, the man put up a very, 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 very good performance tonight in order to earn that. So I think he needs some rest. I think it's going to be a case of why have a backup goalie if you're not going to eventually use them mm-hmm. in order to rest your starting goalie. And again, it is still very early in the season. Who knows? Cole Brady could stand on his head and we could have another Murray Lindbergh situation where we just have two elite goalies that are just going to be bouncing back and forth off of each other. I have no idea. Never seen Brady play yet. So I think I, I think it's all obviously it's up to the coaching staff. Ultimately, that's kind of a stupid thing to say, but I would not be surprised in the slightest if it does end up being Cole Brady purely for the sake of one, seeing what you have against a very solid team where you've already, at least in my mind, I don't think this is in the coach's mind, but I think in my mind, we've already outperformed expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, I don't think Carville's saying that whatsoever. I think he's thinking, on to the next one, boys. we got to win as many games as we can because that should be the high standard expectation. I get that. But again, the realist in me thinks we got to give Cole Brady a shot and give Pavisic a much-needed rest because after he just played his nuts off that game, and he's probably probably can't feel his nuts right now. You know, he, he probably has to get some rest. So that's that's ultimately my opinion on the matter. But I'm very interested to see what Carville and the coaching staff actually come up with for tomorrow. Yeah, me as well. Um, another thing that I'm interested in kind of seeing for tomorrow, Cal uh, Kifu gets that major. And as the extra skater, stepping into his place was um, Taylor McCarr. Yep. And we've, we've obviously noted his ups and downs that we've seen. We really like him as a player. Um, we think he has a high, high upside, and I thought he played really well stepping in on that first line for a while. Yeah, I mean, I would say it was a fairly seamless transition. Like, I don't think he necessarily stood out in my mind as a crazy impact player, but I think he wasn't a noticeable detriment either. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the thing that I kind of like about about Makar is that he's just kind of a plug-and-play energy type dude. Like, I don't think he's inherently going to play horrible where we're going to sit there and say damn, he really played like crap tonight. You know what I mean? Like, he's always going to be, you know, average, at least to me. Like, at least that's what I've seen recently. Um, Maybe earlier on in his career at UMass, that might have been a completely different story. That's probably why he didn't play as much. But I think he's improved a lot now, and I think he's probably smartened up quite a bit. Um, So, I mean, I had no problem with him playing on that line. I am curious to see if there is going to be any sort of, I guess, discipline for Keyfute. Like, I feel like... If you're going to pride your program on the culture and, you know, the work rate and all that type of stuff, you have to be able to kind of discipline the team as well. Like, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, this this is not a new thing for Keith Hugh. Like, I don't want to harp on him too much, but like you mentioned before, this happened last year as well with a weird punching type motion that happened. That was a frustration. It was, it was another massive frustration. And, I mean, I can't really fault him too much on tonight's, like, it was obviously 
a bad penalty to take. But I don't think it came from a place of frustration because how can you be frustrated in the first 38 seconds of a game? Yeah. Like, I think it was a case of first game at Mons in the new season. He's trying to get the boys pumped and ready to go. He's trying to lay down a hit. You guys got to do it smarter than that. And mm-hmm. I think I think he understands that. I'm not sure if Carvel's going to say, like, hey, we got to bench you for a game because of this. I don't know. I, I think it's interesting because I think we had the exact same conversation when this happened last time, and he was slotted right back into the lineup mm-hmm. the next day and completely derailed the whole conversation right. and never actually made it a valid point. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but it's another thing that I'm interested to see tomorrow. Yeah, I'm interested as well. I think it's I think it's one thing to have a major penalty in, say, a December Wednesday game at Lawler Arena. Like, it's one thing to have it there and then another to have it in your home opening night against yeah. the number one team in the country. So You got to read the room a little bit. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. And then... One final thing I want to touch on before we get into our awards, the the fourth line, the all-newcomer line mm-hmm. um, of the offense played really well. I thought they stood out. Um, they played a lot of minutes after that. Uh, after the key fugue penalty caused the, the first line to get shaken up a little bit. So um, I just wanted to give some credit to them. I thought they played awesome. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think I think they were the line this, this game that had the highest plus-minus out of every line. So I thought that was awesome, especially when... I don't know if I actually mentioned in the episode last week after the AIC the AIC game, but they seemed a little lackluster. I don't know, like we kind of gave them the pass because you know first real game, you know they're kind of still getting into the swing of things as all freshmen. But I think they really kicked it up into a new gear tonight. I loved O'Hara's effort. I think he played very solid tonight. Kenny Connors shows up on the score sheet twice. You know, once for a goal, once for an assist. So I thought that was awesome mm-hmm. as well. And I mean, again, Dick also shows up on the score sheet as well, and he. I think he he if there was anybody on that line that I'd like to criticize, it was probably him. But I think for him, it's going to just going to be a case of acclimating to the NCAA. I think he was a little lackadaisical on the on the forechecking. His like he I think he ended up getting called for a hook at one point, which was a very soft hook in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. But I think if he just skated more, he could have easily avoided that. He was barely moving his legs, and he just kind of had a stick out waving mm-hmm. towards the guy like. You don't do that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you just gotta you gotta play a little bit harder. But I think from from a score sheet perspective, they looked great. I think they were just playing for the most part very hard and they were playing very skilled hockey. You know, they were connecting their passes very well, they were making moves around guys. They were doing all the things that we kind of expected out of them, you know, with looking at their stats from, you know, their junior their time in the junior leagues. They were putting up really big points in all their junior leagues. So we kind of expected them to be pretty large contributors this year and I think they're going to start to grow into that role if they keep up the success from this game. Yeah, and I think we touched on it a little bit on this podcast. Um, Tyson Dick, he played in the BCHL last year, and that's kind of known for being one of the lesser mm-hmm. like junior levels, so it might be a bit more of an um, acclimation for him to get ready for um, NCAA play. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was everything about the game. I guess we'll hop into our awards now. The first one that we like to do is the CCC Award. Carvel's Character and Compete Award, basically the player of the game. Um, we are giving this today to Kenny Connors. Um, there were a few options to choose from. A few guys got two points. Uh, Connors was one of them. He had a goal and an assist. But uh, we just, from the eye test we saw, he was all over the ice. He was making plays, um, sk- skating fast to the puck, making some hits. Uh, he was just all over the place, and I think he deserves some some recognition for it. Yeah, no, you definitely hit on all the major points I was going to mention. Like, he played with a lot of intensity. He 
showed up on the score sheet, you know what I mean? He was doing his thing, and especially in, in crucial moments, you know what I mean? Like, it always seemed like he was in the right place at the right time. Um, he was finding his teammates with some passes very well. Um, didn't really lose the puck a lot in the corners. I think he was kind of using his big, strong body to do that. So I think he was just playing very well in that in that respect. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a freshman, um, an NHL draft pick, so we definitely expect some pretty big things out of him. But uh, having the contributions come this early in the season is pretty nice to 100%. see. 100%. Uh, so the second award that we give out is the Good Try UMass Award. Basically, some somebody we want to um, see work on things or, or improve for the next time out there. Uh, this one was pretty easy today. It's got to go to Cal Keefuke. Even though UMass was able to capitalize on his penalty twice, yeah. um, it's still it's still something that can't happen. We've we've talked about it a little bit, but it's something that can't happen. It's pretty. Um, pretty obvious answer for this award today. Yeah, we, we got the right outcome, which is goals, but we used the wrong formula to do so, which is get a major penalty and score two on your shorthanded opportunities. So you, you never want to kind of be undisciplined enough to where that's going to be a major flaw in your team's game plan. Like, it's just, it's never a good thing, especially when it's a five-minute major. You know what I mean? Like, that's, in theory, they could score multiple power play goals on that same, you know, penalty, which something you never want, especially so early in a game, in a game that's been so hyped on your calendar since the very beginning, you know, like, again, it's just a case of reading the room. Like, you definitely have to try and inject some energy into the guys and really get things going with a big hit, but if you see the numbers on the back of that dude's jersey, can't be doing that type of stuff. Like, that's just not the way to get it done. Right, there's definitely a way to do it. Uh, I guess the word might be in a tasteful way where exactly. you don't get penalized for it, but you could still fire up the crowd. Case in point, Anthony Delgado last Absolutely. year. Absolutely. We talk about that hit all yep. the damn time, and that's because it's a nice, clean hit where it gets everybody going. You know, like, no one knows what his hits mean, but they're provocative. You know, <laughs> like, that's just, they get the people going. So Yeah, I've, I've noticed that in these first two games. His presence is pretty, it's missed out there. Like, I didn't think about it before, yeah. but watching the games, his physicality is kind of missed. Definitely. Um, all right, so I, next we'll go into our custom awards. This year, Evan and I will each have our own award to give out. And I guess I will do mine first. So my custom award is the Flex Seal Award. Uh, you've probably all seen the commercials or maybe even used the product, but uh, for for UMass, there was a big crack in their hockey team when the everybody on the first line, Trevino, Garrett Waite, um, Josh Lopina, all left uh, for different reasons, obviously. Yep. We, we've talked about it before, but a uh, big gaping hole on that first line. And uh, <laughs> in comes Coach Carvel with some flex seal in the form of Reed Lebster. He is filling in on that first line, and he's doing phenomenal. He has uh, a goal in both games so far, um, and his presence is really felt on the offensive end. It's been really nice to see. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when 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 Bobby left, you know, you kind of think of, like, the commercial, and you go, like, that's a lot of damage. Like, <laughs> it's really unfortunate to see a guy like Bobby go. And... Reed kind of did his thing to just kind of fill in that fill in that hole. I think he's been the best member of the first line so far. Um, not to completely like rag on Nodler, you know, like he's he's definitely been doing his thing, especially in the faceoff dot. I don't mm -hmm. want to make this whole award about him, but I think you know the whole first line's been very solid. Mm -hmm. But I think Reed Lebster's really been the guy to kind of bring everything together. I think he's been the kind of the, the lead guy on that line, and I think that's you know we we were definitely kind of talking over the course of the entire off season, like who's going to be the guy to step up. 
And I think so far it's been Reed Webster. Not trying to toot my own horn here, but I did have him listed as <laughs> the top forward this year in my predictions video. So just tossing that out there. Long, long may this last because it's going to make me look better in the long run. And that's all I really care about. I don't care about the team. Just kidding. <laughs> don't take that out of context. Complete and utter joke. But yeah, couldn't be happier to see him do his thing, uh, especially in these first two games. I think it's awesome. Yeah, me as well. Um, and what is your So I will be going with another football reference. I made a football reference in the last one about Pavisic and Stonewall and all that other fun stuff. This time I'm going for the Matthew Slater for the uh, the Patriots fans out there. The, the Matthew Slater Special Teams Award. Not going to a specific person per se. Going to the entire special teams unit today because we managed to get two shorthanded goals on a five-minute major. That's some insane penalty killing right there. Yeah, Denver got a goal on a power play. Kind of an asterisk next to it because it was a six on four due to the pulled goalie. That's tough to freaking deal with. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, you can't knock them too much on that. But also in the one power play opportunity that UMass had, we converted on it. So I think the special teams were a massive part of our victory today. And I just wanted to kind of highlight that with the Matthew Slater. If you guys don't know who Matthew Slater is, member of the Patriots. He's been there his entire career and has been their special teams captain for the past like 12 years or something like that. Dude's technically listed as like a wide receiver. I don't think he's played an offensive snap in his entire career. Like he basically will only do special team stuff and that's kind of his niche on the Patriots and everybody loves him for it. So I think I think we have to give a little shout out to the special teams tonight. I thought they were huge. Yeah, those special teams lines got a lot of run. Obviously the the big uh, shorthanded five-minute penalty, um, and they scored on both of them. They were out there for a few more penalties. Uh, the power play unit scored a goal, so mm-hmm. I think that's a good award. All around, big impact on this game. Hundred percent. And just to just to, I don't want to, I don't want to like go and make multiple awards here, but I really want to stress because we we gave Pavisic an award last week. His numbers were technically way better this week after his performance, and people might call us up and be like, "Why didn't you give him an award?" We just don't want to give the same award twice in a row, but. Just to completely go out there and say it outright, he killed it tonight. Like, honorable mention, you know, at least I don't want to completely derail the subject here, but I say honorable mention to Pavisic because we just kind of don't want to give awards twice in a row to the same guy, but he he literally upgraded his performance from last week where we already gave him an award. So mm-hmm. just tossing that out there, Pavisic was doing his thing. 45 saves, man, in a in a 4-2 victory is absolutely massive. So just Against the number one team in the country? 100%. So I just Doesn't really get to, better than that. I just didn't want people to think that we were forgetting about his massive contribution tonight either. I just wanted to throw that out there as a final closing thought. Yeah, if Pavisic can continue playing like this, we will show a lot of love to him throughout the season. Don't you guys worry. All right, so is there is there anything else that we left out that you want to touch upon in this game? No, not particularly. I'm just... Absolutely ecstatic about the first victory of the season, especially against an opponent like like Denver. So long, long may it last. Let's hope we get another one tomorrow and uh, go UMass. Yeah, I uh, I did want to touch upon one thing. I don't want to ex- make it a story just yet. It's really early in the season, but uh, um, I'm hoping it was just like a Friday night thing or something like that. But I want to see a lot more butts in the seats. Saturday night for this yeah, game. Definitely. Um there was there were some some open spots. Uh the student section wasn't completely full. Uh if there's if you if you won't come out for a team that just beat the number one team in the country uh and played really well doing it, then I don't know what you would come out for. So I uh I don't know if it's a UMass hockey fatigue with the program being so good over the last five or six years, but I, I need to see some more people out at these games. This team deserves it. Yeah, there there is no excuse whatsoever. Like I can understand not wanting to go to the like 
No, I don't even understand because it it's the home opener. And we were out here, you know, we rose up. Well, I guess we didn't do a formal raising of the banners or anything, but it was a celebratory night, you know, to say the least. You know, they definitely had a little bit of a presentation for the hockey's champions. I thought that was awesome. And again, number one team against the former, you know, champions from the season prior. Like, if that's not a crazy-ass matchup to go and see on a Friday night, what are you doing with your life? You know, like... If, if, if you don't come out to the game tomorrow after we have already beat them once and you're not wanting to show your support, you you need to figure it out, man. You know what I mean? Like, there is just no way. And to be fair, 95% of the people that are listening to us right now are loyal fans that are going to end up being at that game anyway. Tell your friends. Tell yes. other season ticket holders that were on the fence about going. Tell them to get out here. Do your part. You know what I mean? Like, we're trying our best to try and get people into those seats and support the team. We just... Sometimes we got to pass it on to everybody else. There's only so much we can do. Right. So try to make it a grassroots effort and try and get everybody out to tomorrow night's game because it's going to be a damn good one. Yeah, and uh, I think tomorrow's more important than ever because uh, we saw how upset Denver was after this game. Uh, they It may or may not be a story, but didn't shake hands with the UMass players who were ready to do so. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that... We saw, we saw Denver's head coach and Coach Carvel talking and then Denver's... Head coach waved the players off before they could shake hands. So I'm not sure if that was uh, malicious in intent or if it was just, hey, we'll we'll do it tomorrow. And both coaches agreed. But uh, we saw both that that Denver team is upset. They're going to be coming at us hard tomorrow, and the boys could use all the help they can get. A rowdy crowd certainly sets it off on the right foot. Yeah, it's kind of good that you mentioned that because I completely forgot to mention it. Like I made a post on it on Twitter, and I was lost when I saw what was going on. Like. They they immediately all went onto the bench. They being Denver in this case, and they kind of were like looking at their coach like for direction. Like, hey, what do we do? Like, they've never finished a game of hockey before. Like, they, <laughs> they like they've just in this perpetual state of just constantly playing. They've never actually finished a game. Made no sense to me. They're sitting there like, well, what do we do? Do we go to the locker room? Do we do we go and shake hands? Like, we're sitting there all lined up in an orderly fashion. Like, everyone in the crowd's like, what's going on here? <laughs> like, why guys knows what they're doing? Yeah, like I don't. I don't understand, like, I don't know if it's a conference thing, like, maybe, you know, teams in Denver's conference just don't shake hands afterwards, maybe they just are terrible humans, I don't know, like, <laughs> it's weird to me, but we were ready to go and shake hands, the The Denver coach was looking at their team, like, yeah, go to the locker room, like, get the hell out of here, and some of the players started to form a line, and then they just got waved off, I, I don't know, I don't know if they were just rattled from losing, like... Mm. I don't know if they were still mad about the key fugue board. Like, I, I don't know what could have potentially caused so much discontent and confusion, but you, you'd figure that it would have been discussed beforehand and it wouldn't be a conversation to have on the ice after the game, but definitely confused me for sure. I don't know if it's going to end up being resolved by the end of tomorrow night's game or if there's going to be a massive brawl. Like, who knows? Like, <laughs> it just seems like emotions are all over the place, but the only emotions that I care about are... The, the UMass fans and the UMass team, and we're all elated right now, and that's all that really matters to me. So, screw Denver. <laughs> yeah. If you know anything about that situation, let us know. We'd, we'd like to hear what's up. Might be nothing, but uh, definitely looks like it might not be nothing. So, we'd yeah. like to know. But other than that, again, get out to Mullins. It was an awesome time tonight, and it will be equally as fun tomorrow if the, if the boys can get your support. So, um, that's it from us. We'll have our... Um, game two recap coming out later in the weekend. But for now, uh, thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. And go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody.